Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Well, it's hot and sweaty here in the commentary box at Mizano World Circuit, Marco Simoncelli. You can probably hear a bit of background noise because all of the technicians here at the track are now dismantling the commentary boxes. As soon as the racing is over, everything starts coming down. Everything around the track, parts of the TV compound, media centre and everything else. But it's Greg Haynes here. Freddie Spencer is with us. And we have had, particularly this afternoon, a real real world superbike race and it's not just me saying that we really have had a great race today yes it has been greg and and the reason why it's been exciting i think is and and to the two riders involved in the the battles today jonathan ray and marco melandry both said something that was that was important marco melandry said you know today was real superbike racing and Jonathan Ray, one of the comments, you could see he was exhausted after the race just from the effort level and the emotional uh, level that he expended with, with the tragic death of William Dunlop yesterday, a good friend of his. But, and he dedicated the race to him, but he did say something in that interview, post-race interview with Charlie, where he said that the bikes were evenly matched today. And that, and I repeated that on air because that is such an important part of what superbike racing is all about is, is, and it makes for good racing, the different manufacturers. And today was a good, good example of that. And you had just strategy, you had difficult conditions, difficult conditions because of the high track, uh, track temperature and also the layout here at Mazzano where they're on the side of the tire and high speed, slow speed direction changes. And so what you got to see by those bikes being similar in performance today and the way they, they were working is strengths and weaknesses. You could see that Jonathan Ray was really good on the brakes in some areas. Uh, Vandermark's Yamaha with the extra effort this year that has happened so far of the electronics and support from Yamaha, they were he was really good mid corner and off the corner, which which was gave him a little bit of advantage. So then that advantage it, that uh, Jonathan had was negated a little bit, but and so Jonathan would make it up on on the entrance to the corner, and you could see something that you normally don't see Jonathan have to do, which was with about five or six laps to go. He was trying to get around Vandermark in a couple places in the transition between a couple of the switchbacks and between three turns two and three. And then I believe it was uh, in 12 and, and 13 or 13 and 14. And he couldn't get close enough. And so he actually backed off 
and I think had to settle down, mm. gain, gain mm. its composure, and because in tricky conditions like today, where the track actually narrows up, and, and the reason why it narrows up is, is grip level. It, it actually, there's a certain part of the track that you don't want to go into because it is dirtier and slipper in the margin of error, the forgiveness is, is not there, and so you, you could see you really kind of had to had to think a lot more than, and he's a thinking rider, he's precise. And, and so it was exciting to see. And I remember at the, that was what was I looked forward to, you and I calling the last few laps of the race because it was like, okay, now these are where the corners where Jonathan is strong. This is where Vandermark is strong. And for the viewers at home, you feel like they lean a little closer into the TV yes. or you hope that yes. we draw them in, right? So well, we definitely way, were leading yeah, the Yeah, of course, screen. and we were doing the same here in the booth. But you're hoping, and I believe that that's happening. I could almost feel that, and you could see that where they're saying, "Okay, you know, where is he going to be able to come back and make the pass?" He was able to do it, and then, and then he didn't pull away like we normally see um, from Vandermark and Markham Landry. In fact, we thought, well, maybe, you know, he he could make something happen. He he talked yesterday in the post race about the. Uh, the fact that he hadn't had much practice time because of the injured bike problems in the rain on Friday to get used to that new front tire, the bigger uh, front tire, and we thought maybe he might pull out something. But anyway, it was, it was just good to see. I mean, it certainly made it exciting, and it made it exciting for us to be able to call it uh, and, yeah. and bring the viewers in like we talked about like to do. Well, Charlie Hiscott's been very busy up and down the pit lane all weekend, and he, of course, caught up with the top three at the end of today's race. Let's listen in now, then, from a very emotional Jonathan Ray, and also, of course, from Michael Vandermark and Marco Melandri. Marco, you're another one who had a really tricky start to the weekend. You missed two sessions. You weren't confident using the big front tyre. That is a fantastic result. Well done. Yeah, I think yesterday the race was, uh, uh, was very difficult because I, we missed one, uh, one session F before, so... We tried to use the information on race one for this morning to put the bike, and I knew I wasn't so fast this morning, but the track for me was cold, and to do 34 during the race was impossible. So I tried to think about a very hot temperature, and I knew I could make it to the race, but um, it was a really awesome race. The bike was great. I have to say thanks to Aruba Rorati Ducati, and I had a lot of fun with Johnny, so I tried to do as best show as the people can have, and I tried to pass Van der Mark in the end, but uh, I was too much under thing in the front, so third in Italy is something awesome. Very well done. Thank you. Michael, you weren't very happy when I spoke to you on Friday, but since then things have got better and better. What a fantastic ride. Yeah, you know, uh, Friday we struggled a lot. And to be honest, I think uh, Friday was we could throw it away because we didn't do FP3. And the changes we made for FP3, we tried on Saturday and then we went faster and faster. So I wasn't happy then. Uh, yesterday I made a good recovery. Today, starting from Paul, uh, start was not fantastic. And followed uh, Savi for a few laps, think he got a problem. And I tried to push and uh, you know, I was pulling away slowly, but as soon as I saw Johnny was behind me. I tried to, to keep the same pace, but I struggled in some areas, uh, some lap more than the others. So at the end, Johnny passed me, and uh, he was so much quicker on, on entries. And I could stay with him, but I just couldn't overtake. But you know, I'm really happy with uh, fourth and, and second this weekend, and we do uh, we scored really well in the championship as well. Brilliant, well done. Yes, thank you, Jonathan. Your tenth win of the season. Third double looked like quite a hard race, though, no? Super hard. I mean, I emptied the tank for that one. Uh, I woke up this morning with, uh, you know, spasms in my neck. I can't move my neck to the left. So my physio, um, Albert, and all the mobile clinic worked wonders in only a couple of hours. 
and uh, the bike was pretty good. It was just all the bikes were so evenly matched. It was really hard to make a pass, make a clean pass. On my own, I could be quite uh, smooth and aggressive, but and I said so much extra power today because I really wanted to win this race for William Dunlop and all his family. I just want to say. I can't imagine what they're going through, and um, you know I'm thinking of all the family right now. Thanks, Jonathan. Well done. Thank you. Yeah, Jonathan Ray in particular, very sad. Obviously, the Dunlop family. Of course, Jonathan's father, Johnny Senior, was the first sponsor of Jerry Dunlop back in the day, and horrendous news we received here overnight that William Dunlop had passed away, and Jonathan Ray very, very close to tears, and quite naturally very upset up on the podium today. Yes, and. You could see that emotion was a combination of things. You know, just the tragedy of, of hearing the news, uh, your closeness to the family, of course, in, in the UK, the Dunlop family and their contribution, involvement in racing over these generations and decades, um, and the impact that they've had in, in road racing at the Isle of Man and Northwest 200 and, and all the road circuits. and and in race like I said in racing in general and mm. and so there's that emotion but there's also the emotion of the race i mean that was an indicator of just how spent he was and how hard he had to work and and you could see that he really enjoyed it and so it's again it's it's one of those days that that you see how racing can can be in the the toll it takes and 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 the human human spirit when it comes through the passion and and uh, the effort level it's, uh, it's great to be a part of it. Certainly is. Let's move on. This is Rider of the Weekend. Who are you going to go for then, Freddie? There's a few contenders, actually. Um, I'm trying to remember who you actually said in the broadcast now. <laughs> well, I remember exactly what I said in the broadcast, but I, what I didn't say, and so I'll, I will tell you what I wished I would have said in the broadcast, Okay. Uh, along with who I did choose as Rider of the Day, and Rider of the Weekend in both days, Rider of each day and the Rider of the Weekend, is is after watching Caracasulo and, and that effort he made, I thought was was something very, very important too in these conditions and what I saw him do in, in qualifying, Supersport qualifying yesterday was impressive. He was the one rider, um, because this is what I said, I, in those hot conditions, 53 degree track temperature, I said that it was going to be the rider that didn't lose as much time or didn't go or went the least or lost the least amount of time due to the hot conditions compared to what they did in the morning. It was exactly what I what I was predicting. Mm. Caracasulo did more than that. He actually went quicker <clears throat> yeah. than he went in the morning and was a, one of the quickest time that we've seen and around the circuit on a, on a super sport bike. And, and so... I, I saw him making adjustments uh, yesterday in, in, in the uh, qualifying session, Super Bowl two, that is a, an intelligent rider and, and very good management. And if he could carry that through to the race today, that would be impressive, and he did from the very beginning. No mistakes, uh, just kept his head, kept his head down, focused, and really did a good job. And the pace he ran um, was was incredible. Um, I think we saw in, in the 300 race a job well done <laughs> wow. by Anna, Anna Cruz. Uh, and she, you know, Anna went out and really took advantage of a difficult situation. She's had 10 kilos 
of weight added mm-hmm. onto the bike, which changes the characteristic of a bike, especially that small um, and the, the small amount of horsepower it has. And she's able to adjust to it, put in the quickest lap today um, on that Kawasaki. Two Kawasaki's did win, and she actually only ended up losing four points in the championship. And, and we were talking afterwards that I thought if, if things could have worked out a little better for her in the race where she could have got up in the top five instead in the second part of that group where all the chaos really starts happening. Unbelievable. Yeah, she was lucky. She had two crashes. She happened to be on the correct side. She almost, uh, when the rider came down, when she was trying to get under, one of the riders going in 13, one or the other in the group, and she almost got in the back of them and had to lift up, or she maybe could have went high-sided and got taken out. She didn't. And so she kept her head and did a good job, but she could have, she really could have, a few things going her way, could have come out of the race today with an increased point lead, even with the struggle she had. And so that was really good. But the rider that I picked uh, over the last two days in the race yesterday, and because of the way they went about it today, and for the weekend was Jonathan Ray. And again, it was because of just how he controlled the race yesterday. And today was a completely different race coming from the third row. But more importantly, he had to work for it. Really, really work for it. And um, and did a great job. And so he was my rider of the weekend. And here now then is our tweet of the weekend. It's the star tweet. This is an interesting one actually, Fred, and it relates to Grand Prix racing as well. And this has come in from uh, OJW30. And once again, thank you so much for all of the tweets you've been sending into Eurosport underscore UK, Freddie Spencer and Greg Haynes TV here over the weekend. But from OJW30, I remember when Mick Doohan was winning everything in the 500 class and people accused him of making it boring. Mick replied, what do you want me to do? Ride slower? And in the opinion of this particular person on the tweet here, and I'm not sure if you're male or female, so I apologize for that, but you've said it's up to the other riders and teams to take it to JR and liven the series up a bit. What do you reckon? Well, I, I, I do agree with that statement, you know, is that there's only so certain things you can do to make the racing more competitive, you know, through rules and regulations. But you can't penalize a rider for being on top of it, working hard and and just bringing their A game basically every week. And and as Jonathan did today, he won um, even when it was difficult with the Hendricks being on third road, not you know not getting out front, and it was in the same hot conditions as as everyone. My dad used to say to me when I was a young boy, and every once in a while I can I can excuse me, complained about the track or, or maybe, you know, the heat, different things. And again, you know, I'm a young kid. He would say, always remember, Fred, it's the same for everybody. And everybody yeah, gets yeah. the same rules. Everybody gets the same track conditions. And so I, I do agree with that statement. Jonathan right now is just doing overall. And obviously the bike is very good, but overall he's just bringing his A game every week. One thing very quickly in Tech Talk then before we head over to here from uh, the latest from Knock Hill. 
which I forgot to mention in the show today, is that I heard last night that Chaz Davis has been running the breaking cooling ducts this weekend that they brought in earlier in the season and Kawasaki had been using. I believe Torres, Ray and Davis have all been running it this weekend. But Tech Talk, we really need to focus on the new front tyre, I think, Freddie, this bigger front tyre, which ended up being quite a, well, not quite, a very important aspect of the race weekend. How will that have changed things in terms of riding and setup and performance in general? Well, the, the new front tires really uh, came about because of the new rear, bigger rear tire, which uh, is, and what we mean by bigger is, is a little different profile, but wider, bigger tire to increase the contact patch all through the range from straight up and down to maximum lean angle, which of course, when you increase that contact patch, especially on the rear, it not only helps be able to get more drive off the corner, less wheel spin is the goal, but also in corner entry, because the bike won't slide around as much as you see the bikes do on corner entry, the rear end does come around. Well, if you got a bigger contact patch, the hope, the theory is, the bike should slide less, which means you can carry more speed. Now, that puts more stress on the front tire. The contact patch is the same width as it is, you know, mm -hmm. if it's balanced properly with the narrow tire, as soon as you get it wider, more contact on the rear, it's gonna put more pressure on the front. And that's what we see with qualifying tires. That's why you see riders as saw Chaz Davis and Aragon crash first lap, extra grip in the rear, it over pushed the front on corner entry and it crashed. So that was their goal. Now, it not only will help with that, but it also a bigger front tire, more stable, stronger front, allows for better braking stability. So you, in theory, you can brake more, not only straight up and down, but as you lean the bike into the corner, be able to utilize that. For the late breakers, that can be a huge benefit. The, Issues that come up with the bigger tire, bigger contact patch is it can affect agility, which is what Rinaldi had mentioned to us as we were leaving the track on, on Friday, Friday, Friday afternoon yeah. that he didn't like about the new front was that it slowed down and made it harder. The bike didn't want to tip in. That was one of the things I would complain about whenever we would get bigger tires is adjusting to that. And so it's up to the crew then to change a little bit of the, it could be the trail numbers, which is the, the front uh, pitched in or pulling in, but also the balance of the bike, rear ride height, different things that, that can help quicken up the steering from a setup standpoint to compensate for the bigger front tire, which slows down, uh, can slow down the transition with that. But as we saw in the race on today, in these conditions, only one rider didn't have that big front tire on. That was PJ Jacobson, as we saw on the list, everyone, had decided to go toward the big front and, and the wider rear. Because if you can, if you can use it, you have more grip on corner entry, more grip on exit from the rear. And then on the front with that bigger tire, if you can work around some of the agility issues, it's safer because you got more grip. Mm. And so yeah. then you can carry, especially in tricky conditions like today. And that's where we saw, I believe, some of the guys that were able to get in deep on the brakes and, and, and that front tire would probably help them where they trusted and had a little more confidence to hold that tighter line which is what helped you know with Marco Melandri you remember he was getting really good on on squaring the getting under people mid-corner and then late in the race Vandermark and, and Jonathan Ray could block that was that maybe the front tire being a little better a little more stable a little more grip 
when you're on the brakes and it's moving around? Probably so. Well, Freddie, thank you very much. It's been an absolute pleasure again this weekend. Thanks also to Charlie for everything in the pit lane. And by the way, any of you going to the Goodwood Festival of Speed this coming weekend, Mr. Spencer will be there. There's going to be a lot going on. Yeah, absolutely. So go and see Freddie there. Freddie, thanks very much. Let's get the latest then from Knockhill BSB. They've been racing as well over the weekend. Well, it's Monday morning now, and this is the strangest place I think I've ever recorded a podcast. I'm sat in a bar at Bologna Airport, waiting for a flight a bit later on this afternoon. James Whittam is on the line. Of course, James, you've been doing Knock Hill BSB this weekend. Great to see you back. You're looking really well as well. Yeah, cheers, Greg. Yeah, uh, I felt all right. Uh, obviously, no air. I had to put a little back to 50 on my bald bonds just to stop. Hey, and the, the fact that you're even using sun cream at Knock Hill was a, revela- <laughs> it was a revelation to everybody. The weather was brilliant all weekend and the racing was really, really good. We had a, we had a cracking meeting. I couldn't believe it on Friday because you had a load of uh, sunshine and everyone was eating ice creams and it was raining where we were. Yeah, that, I mean, that's been the sort of story of the summer, really. I think I've heard um, people go on holiday in Spain and come back and say, well, you had hotter and better weather than we had in, in you know, Mallorca or where it's been brilliant. How are you feeling? Because, as I say, you look really well. It's great to have you back. But, um, yeah, it's, you've been away for a while since Donington, but it's fantastic you're back. Yeah, yeah it's, been a, it's been a fairly challenging couple of months, I have to say. Um, seem to be through it now. I've got, I've got scans to have and biopsies to have and all that kind of stuff you always have after, after any kind of cancer treatment. But I feel good. Uh, plenty of energy and like I said just waiting for the I mean to be fair a lot of my hair were falling out anyway before the chemo so I don't know just how it's going to grow back yeah, well, that's a good point yeah if you're getting old and your hair's falling out anyway with them then uh, it's not such a worry is yeah, it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh well no yeah. honestly though that's, that's really really good news racing wise then your mate Jake Dixon's 1-1 Haslam's 1-1 he's looking pretty good what did you make of it all yeah really good uh, superbike um, category both racers are really good uh, Knockhill is a kind of a, it's a very busy little circuit, only 1.25 miles round, very physical, ups, downs, uh, fast changes of direction where you have to put a lot of weight through your feet. Uh, last time I raced there, I had about 140 brake horsepower. These guys have got 225. And the, the, uh, when you speak to any of the superbike riders, they say, yeah, it's a real challenge just to physically get the bike round that circuit quick. Uh, but they all seem to like it. Um, there's there's plenty of places where the bike goes light. You're floating over that start and finish area. It, they, they enjoy the place. And better than that, the, the, the Scots and the organisers at Knockhill like having us there. It's the only time that really they get to see a meeting as big as that. And that includes four-wheel racing as well. Uh, Superbike class was brilliant. Um, y- your main men were at the front, I guess, except for one. The guy who hasn't run at the front, who did run at the front, who looked strong all weekend, was Danny Buchan. Uh, we expected Jake to be up there. He dominated last year. Uh, Jake went quick east and, and ended up going off pole. Uh, but it was very, very close. Like you get with all sh- really short, tight circuits, you know, tenths of a second cover three or four riders. One second covered 18 riders. Um, you never get that with a bigger, longer circuit. It spreads everything out a little bit at places like Cadwell and Ulton and Brandsatch full circuit. But places like Brandsatch Indy and Knockhill, you know, tenth of a second seems a big time difference and you get three or four riders slotted into that tent um it went off it went off exactly like that no time difference at all between the riders everybody's scrabbling for thousands of a second uh jay did really well but but as expected 
Uh, Liam was up there. He had a big crash in FP2. Uh, didn't do a lot of damage to himself, as he never does, because he's bulletproof as, a, as a, a person. But the bike was destroyed. That put him out for the rest of the session. Uh, apart from that, it went according to plan. As I say, apart from Danny Buchan, ran really strong all weekend, looked to enjoy himself, smiled the whole time. And it was, it was I hate to say it, but James Aiden called it dead right. On Friday afternoon, he says, he did, he said, Friday afternoon, as early as that, he said, uh, "Danny Buchan, he's, he's up for a, he's up for a Rossum. Um and it was, and the races were brilliant. Um, Danny Buchan had the pace to win, but he just didn't have the kind of last gasp up the inside, kind of passing ability uh, that he needed. And Jake Dixon and uh, Leon Haslam seemed to have that. They both wanted to sort of scuttle through on the inside on the brakes. And Danny, maybe because he's not run at that sharp end for a long time, was a little bit more circumspect. He wanted that roster. He didn't want to go home with a bent motorcycle and a, and a, a bit of skin missing. So um, he, I think that was part of it. And um, it was it was a great meeting. Uh, three or four people at the front the whole time and more. You know, there were five of them at one point before um, Brad Ray dropped out with an engine problem. He'd been running at the front. Laverty looked really strong, uh, and that was good to see because he's had a, a bit of a lackluster season so far. Uh, but yeah, no, nothing, nothing bad to say really. Racing was cracking. Crowd enjoyed it, and every class was really good. Um, I really enjoyed the the Super Stock Thousand because I wasn't even working on it. I didn't even do the commentary on that. Um, that was down to uh, Jack and uh, Neil McKenzie. They did a cracking job, really enjoyed the commentary, but really enjoyed the fact that as well as the front runners being the usual front runners, you know, like um, uh, Keith Farmer and Billy McConnell, who slid off actually unusually, didn't make an habit of that. Um, Tom Neve, Tom Neve brought his bike home in second. He's only just back from a really serious shoulder injury that he sat out uh, to get to let heal and get right. Uh, I thought it was a brilliant ride from Tom. Uh, really got his season rolling. Really unexpected. Nobody expected him, him to finish on the rostrum. So, but every class was good. It always is around a little scratchy place like Knockhill. It always gives a bit of good racing. Let's have a quick listen then to the top three. This is Matt Roberts interviewing Haslam, Dixon and, of course, Danny Buchan, the FS3 Kawasaki rider. Great stuff for them. Danny Buchan, well done. You've put yourself firmly in contention with a double podium here. Yeah, you know, it's funny to, uh, it's funny, once you get your first podium, you kind of like, you want more. So for me then, the pace was so much hotter that um, I just sort of settled and by sort of, to the, to the end of the race, I just didn't have nothing left of the front tyre, so I had to sort of settle for what I had and obviously over the moon to bring out two podiums uh, for FS3 Racing Kawasaki and uh, yeah, the race run was obviously ended up third because of because of what happened, but um, yeah, rules are rules. So uh, yeah, we're going to take, we're going to take this confidence and um, move on to Brown Hatch. I look forward to seeing you there, well done. Danny. Thank you. Back on the podium, and I know it's probably going to feel like a, a bitter pill to swallow, actually, because you had the pace for, for the double win, and then you had that huge moment, didn't you? Talk us through it. Yeah. Oh, do you know what? I'm absolutely gutted because I saved my energy, I'd done everything perfect, and perfect, and I knew Leon was there, but I knew that, uh, that I had the pace to just really push on then, because he passed me, and then when I got him back, and then I had that moment, I, I literally changed my body position just a little bit too fast, and it really upset the bike, and I don't know how I didn't crash, but uh, 
yeah, I tried hard till the end, and I think if I had another lap, I could have maybe got by Leon because I caught him back. But uh, yeah, fantastic job to the team, and uh, yeah, I'm just sorry to them that I couldn't get the double win. But uh, yeah, we're definitely getting closer to Leon, and uh, we're going to be here for the rest of the year. We look forward to seeing that. Thanks, Jake. Well done this weekend. Cheers. Thank you. Come on. All right, let's get Leon in then now because he's going to be rushing off. We don't want you dashing for that aeroplane just yet, Leon. But you wanted to go with the smell of champagne on your leathers, and uh, that's going to happen now. Much happier, I think. Did you manage to solve the issues that you had in race? one or just work around them? No, we didn't solve it. We tried something different um, and it was actually worse. It, but it was doing it every lap so I kind of anticipated it. But in race one, it, I was kind of riding under the limit and then when I pushed on, I got it really bad and hence why I ran off a few times. It did push me on a couple of times which uh, I thought I was going to get uh, nabbed again on the last laps. But uh, yeah, it was a hard race. You know, it was hard coming from the second row and by the time I caught up to Jake, you know, my rear tyre was a little bit slipping and sliding. So big thanks to JG Kawasaki. Uh, did an awesome job and nice to be on the back step. Thanks Leon, safe travels now. Cheers, thank you. Yes, yeah, so everybody seemed very pleased there with uh, Bradley Ray then. Yeah, that was a strange one. You don't usually see unreliability like that in BSB, do you? No, you know, the, the, the fact is that the, the actual engine regulations of BSB make it uh, such that they're probably about 20 brake horse down because of the engine regs on World Superbike, and if you've got a, project, a bike producing less power, it tends to be more reliable. The more power you produce, the more unreliable, the, more, the harder the engine's working, cams, pistons, cranks, etc. Um, so you don't get a lot of unreliability in, in BSB. I don't know actually what went wrong, and he didn't know. I spoke to him afterwards, and he didn't actually know what went wrong at all. Uh, but he'd been running strong. I think he can take a, a few positives from Knockhill. He said he, he doesn't really... He likes riding around the place, but he's never really had good results at Knockhill. Uh, and he was running strong. He could have definitely went on the rostrum, I think, if things had gone a little bit different over the weekend. He can take the positives. He goes to, um, to Brands, still third in the championship. Uh, Dixon's nicked second off him this weekend, but he's still third in the championship, still everything to play for, still, in my opinion... Uh, got every chance of finishing in the showdown and going for the championship so not such a bad weekend for Brad now someone who's outside the showdown at the moment although technically he is in because Shaky's obviously not going to go through is Josh Brooks seventh in the championship no points for him either in the second race tricky weekend for Josh yeah complete nightmare for Josh um, I mean he, he's very he's very philosophical as Josh I spoke to him afterwards and he's not angry he's not throwing the teddies out of the garage he, he just said look we had, a, we had a tire issue in the first race which was a complete you do get them. They had one. He put it down to sort of, you know, bad luck, I guess. Second race, the bike stopped on him. Didn't really know what had gone wrong. So it's a complete disaster of a meeting through no fault of his own. He actually was running really strong. That could have been a really strong meeting for him. He put it on the front row in second and looked really good through practice and qualifying and looked like, yeah, we've got Josh that we know back. Um, and it just didn't work out for him. And Really disappointing in that respect because he really could have come away with a really good point or maybe a couple of a couple of rostrums or a fourth and a third or something like that. That's where his pace would have put him if things had gone his way. So close though, isn't it, for the last showdown spot? They're eighth in the championship, eighth, ninth, tenth, but obviously they'll move one up when Shakey's not there. So Laverty, Eden, Ahala and people like that. Hickman, that's going to be very, very tight. It is. It's normally the last couple of places in the showdown that are the tightest uh, fought for. Uh, not the first three or four generally seem to be locked in before we get to the you know the last couple of rounds of the the, the in season. Uh, it's those last couple of places that they're all the six or eight riders scrapping for. Hickman's uh, a little bit lacklustre, really. I don't know whether it's because he says he doesn't get on with the eighteen 
rear tyre that they have to use now. Nobody can use the old 17 tyre. They've gone completely out of circulation. He hasn't clicked with it. says he hasn't got the feel that he wants. Uh, but I'm just wondering whether with Hickey, it's a little bit of um, sort of TT and road circuit blues. You know, when you're as fast as he is on the roads and at the TT yeah, Northwest Open. in the world, yeah. Exactly. Whether there's just a little bit of... You know, it's a completely different discipline now. You set your bike up completely different to the short circuits and where there's a little bit of uh, sort of TT blues going on. Uh, but again, he, he's pretty philosophical and quite smiley. He's not, he's, not, uh, he's not getting too upset about the job. What about that Jake Dixon moment coming out of Clark? I thought the way you described that in the commentary was really good. I mean, that could have been a disaster. That was well held. Was that more luck or instinct or what? Uh, a bit of both, I think. Um, the, the problem you've got with the Superbikes is they have that much power and that much grip and especially around a place like Knock Hill that has a couple of these big undulations where you're like uh, um, down the, the little right-hander before you get to the chicane and where everything bottoms out. So you need to have a lot of support, heavy springs, a lot of, a lot of compression damping. And what that makes is a, it, it makes for a really solid bike, which means when you get one of these slides or kicks or you get the front end going, there's nothing to soak it up. It, it just transfers everything to the rider and, and the bike will, will take off on you. The really, what it means is you've got an unforgiving bike, essentially. Uh, and that's what it was. It didn't do much wrong. He says he just transferred his weight a little bit quick, a little bit, you know, maybe a second before he should have done, a bit eager, and the thing took off on him. So, uh, yeah, look at a stop on it. It took him about a lap to get his breath back and his head into gear. Uh, but then he got going. You know, he did, he did take a bit of time back out of Aslam towards the end, another lap and a half or two laps. And it, I think he'd have been in a position to have a go. But all that said, uh, Dixon had a, a really good meeting. A first and a second in the pole position. His, his championship is on track. And, you know, I've noticed now, I've seen quite a lot of Jake because me and him trials out together. And he has stopped talking about winning races. He kind of knows he can do that if things go his way. He started talking about championships and about podium points. Interesting. Yeah, podium. Yeah, because that's what matters really, isn't it? Once everything's reset, it's those podium points. Correct. Yeah. And I think it's 36 to Haslam and I think about 16 to 17 to, to Jake. So, he's, you know, he's, he's a fair way behind in terms of, of podium points. And that's what he needs to start thinking about now. He needs to start sort of putting one across across Leon but that said Leon had a brilliant meeting they had a, an issue with the auto blipper which means the, the, the engine revs and the, and the amount of uh, push that the rear wheel's giving you and as you break into a corner has not matched so basically it pushed him on into the corners it's like almost can you imagine in your car going into a corner and then pushing it out, out of gear into neutral you know you've got, you've got a lot less control yeah so he said in the first race, it caught him out a few times. Second race, he knew it was going to do it. He knew from early on they hadn't fixed it between the races and could ride accordingly, which is why we saw him running wide at the airpin a couple of times. But he coped with it really well. I think it, uh, I think you'd, if you asked um, Leon, if you were on the flight to, to Suzuka with him this morning and asked him to sum up knock ill, he'd have said, yeah, reasonable meeting. You know, that, that was all right for him. Who are you going for for rider of the weekend then? Uh, rider of the weekend, I, I've probably got to go with, I think, Jake. I think uh, Jake went in there with a little bit of pressure on himself because, I mean, no pressure from anybody else, even the team, but pressure from himself because he knew he won there last year. They tested there. They, 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 
they kind of pinned a lot on Knock Hill. They knew they were strong. They knew the bike worked well there. And, and consequently, anything less than a kind of win or a couple of really good rostrums would have been a disappointment. And I, and I think that meant that it was harder to get the results than what if you went in there with a sort of, you know, an attitude of, where we don't care. They did care, and they wanted the result. That made it harder for them. And so I think I've got, I've got to go for Jake. There were some, some standout performances, actually, right through the field. As I say, close to being man of the meeting for me would have been Danny Buchan. Really, really impressive. Good times. Uh, it brought the lap record in race one about four times on the trot. I mean, it all be by, you know, thousands of a second. They were all doing the same times, but... He was quick. He smiled all week and he really understood what the bike were doing down there. And I hope he can carry it over into the rest of the season. And Jack Kennedy won in Supersport, but that was a bit of a thriller, actually, wasn't it? That was a pretty good race. Yeah, it's been like that the whole season. They are standout um, competitors in that class, Ben Curry and Jack Kennedy. They seem really evenly matched. I have to say that Jack always seems to have the drop on on Ben, it must be really upsetting Ben because he does all the work, he leads the race, Jack follows him and just about he's able to nab him for the result. He's done it six times this year. Um, so I feel a little bit sorry for Ben. I thought Ben might have had it in the feature race yesterday. Uh, it looked a little bit more clear-cut for um, Jack. He looked to have a bit more of a plan in the sprint race. Uh, he got held up with a couple of backmarks and I thought that might just help Ben a little bit. Anyway, yeah, he managed to do the job, did Jack. Um, and it, it, I mean, when you think there's only two of them, they're making everybody else look a bit steady, to be honest. But uh, it still is good racing. It's really good racing. And um, yeah, I feel sorry for Ben, but really pleased for Jack. Although, obviously, sadly, in many ways, the overriding story of the weekend is the passing of William Dunlop. That was shocking news, wasn't it, on Saturday? And uh, everyone feeling pretty down about that. Yeah, what you, what you forget about uh, William is William uh, has done a lot of short circuit racing. Not he's not just a just a, a TT and a Northwest and a Scaries and a, and a, a Cookstown hundred man. He's a he's a proper short circuit man as well. He's done two fifty Grand Prix. He's done one two five British Championship. He's done Super Sport British Championship. He's ridden everything, even Superbike British Championship. And and people know him. And the the Irish road racing. And when I say road racing, uh, I mean tarmac in general. You know, so your short circuit, so your Jonathan Rays and your Glenn Irwins, they all get on with all the pure roads men like your Dunlops. Um, you know, and, and it's a close-knit community. It really hit the paddock hard. Everybody in the paddock knows William. It, it wasn't, William wasn't outspoken. William was a quiet lad, quite an introvert, quite a sensitive uh, bloke. Uh, but that's, that's not to say he didn't make a little bit of an impact. He did. You know, people... People still love riders who will get their hands dirty. They'll kneel down, they'll do their own oil changes, they'll turn up on a one two five one meeting and then a super bike at the next meeting because they love the racing. And it, it's hit the paddock pretty hard, to be honest. Not just our paddock, pretty much every single paddock we had. Uh, Jonathan Ray give a, a really nice little a sort of doff of the cap uh, to the Dunlops and, and to William. That, it was, yeah, and, and a couple of riders uh, went and, and had the organisers change their standard preferred racing number uh, to the number six, always carried by William, and, and that was a, a really nice little tribute as well. So, uh, yeah, there's, there's not a lot to say really except, um, you know, thoughts are with, uh, 
with family and friends in, in Ireland. Yeah, very, very, very sad indeed. Obviously, BSB continues in a couple of weeks' time, James. We'll be at Brands Hatch, so uh, 10 days to go. I can see on the BSB website right now. So, yeah, there's still a lot to play for. Yeah, there is. There's a lot to play for. Uh, a, a load of riders saying, look, I like racing round uh, Knockhill, but Blumenick, it's a long way, and I never get results. I, I can't wait to get to Brands. Other people like Jake Dixon and others were saying, oh, I love this place. I tell you who loves it is... Um, uh, is Keith Farmer. Keith Farmer's never been beaten just about on anything round there. I, I don't think he won on a superbike, but he's won on every other single bike he's had. He's won a couple of times, three times in Super Sport. He's won on Super Stock a couple of times. I think that was his seventh win at Knock Hill at BSB level in various classes. So he loves it. He's, he's rarely beaten round there. Uh, other people are saying, right, I mean, <laughs> there were, there's people who um, race, uh, who live... Uh, you know, south coast of England, Kent, and uh, people like Brad Ray. Mate, they've got a long, long way to get to Knock Hill. That's like yeah, an eight and nine-hour trip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were telling me they could be at Magna Cour or even Monza. Yeah, quick, even, quick, yeah easier, yeah, quicker, yeah. <laughs> but that said, people love going there. The, the, the Scots like having us there. They make a real effort um, to have the place painted and, and looking perfect for us. You feel really welcome. Uh, so, yeah, it was a cracking meeting. And... Um, on to Brands Yeah, and lovely weather as well. Well, all the live continue uh, coverage, I should say, will continue on Eurosport 2 with the Eurosport player. And uh, James, good to talk to you, and I will see you there. Cheers, Greg. Thanks, mate. And this has been, for me, the strangest way of recording a podcast ever, I think, sat in a cafe at Bologna Airport. But we'll be back with the Full Throttle podcast next week.